raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. All right, we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner here on Super Bowl Monday. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is back with a shout-out to Maddie Bowen. Great effort out of her last week. I believe she picked the Chiefs. I am just um, excited you were allowing me back this week. <laughs> I don't know if Maddie wants the 52-week grind of it all, but no, she did a great job. Uh, enjoyed that and glad that you're feeling better and you're back in the saddle. We'll recap a little Super Bowl here to lead off. Talk Dwight Freeney into the Hall of Fame. and you know, Last week, Eddie, we did the evaluation of Chris Ballard. This week, we'll do the evaluation of Shane Steichen and you know, really, once we get through next week, now we start a busy month period mm-hmm. because then you bleed into the combine. The franchise tag window starts to open up. I guess franchise tag window is what, a week from Tuesday? Now that I'm looking at my calendar, right? Yeah. And then um, free agency, of course, March 13th. You know, that typically lasts, especially for the Colts, throughout the month of March, maybe a little quieter lull into April, but you know, you got players back in the building and the draft and damn man, now that I'm talking out loud, I'm like <laughs> it's about to get busy here, which is a good thing. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. How's uh how's everything in your world? Doing well man. Uh as we were talking about before we started the podcast in the process of uh repainting the house. Nice so inside, not the outside. Um but yeah, one room down, we've got uh, about four more to go. I love it. Good luck to you and Olivia for that. Uh, that sounds like something that could bond a couple or make them want to get divorced or break up. So you know, the first time, first room, it was a bonding session. So okay. we'll see how it goes when on room four. <laughs> Good for you guys on that end. Let's talk a little Super Bowl here, just to lead off, Eddie. It's um, yeah. To me, there's not hatred, venom at all towards the Chiefs. At least speaking for myself, it's um, it's pure jealousy. That's exactly what it is. I, I think as a sports fan. I, I find myself at times, and I don't, I, I don't consider myself like super pessimistic sports fan, but like, I mean, hell, I'm watching Notre Dame basketball the other night, and they've got a lead. It's the under four media timeout, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wonder how they're gonna blow this. And like, you go back to the Notre Dame Ohio State game. I'm just speaking for my own fandom. And once Ohio State takes over, it's like, okay, how are they gonna blow this? And you know, sure enough, it's like, oh, they'll give up their 19. Oh, they'll they'll drop an interception. Oh, they'll have 10 guys in the field for the final two plays of the game. You watch the Chiefs, and it's inevitable in the opposite direction. It's not if they're gonna do it, it's how are they gonna do it, what does it look like, who makes the play, and all of that. It's just it's such a rarity in sports. And it is a beautiful sight if you're a fan of the Chiefs, and if you're not, to me, it's just pure jealousy. Why Why can't my team be clutch? Why can't they be clutch at every critical moment, seemingly? And sure, San Francisco muffs a punt and misses an extra point, and I thought they played with fire, Eddie, when they had those drives. I mean, they routinely, when you think about it, the Chiefs did not have a single touchdown drive in regulation outside of the muff. That was a 16-yard touchdown the first play. They didn't have it. 12 drives for Kansas City in regulation. Not a single touchdown drive outside of the month. San Francisco's defense played great. Played great. And you couldn't take advantage of it. Kansas City's defense deserves a ton of praise. They won't get it because that's just not how the cycle we live in with Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey. Um, and damn, it just... <laughs> 
why the hell did did I bet against him again? I'm such an idiot. <laughs> so I told my dad. My dad's a 49ers fan, and he goes, "I think it's gonna play out." I said, "Well, Dad, I'm sorry, but I'm getting to the point with 15 where I was with 12." Yep. Yeah, you, he's. You just can't bet against Mahomes like you couldn't bet against Brady and Belichick. He's the greatest of all time. Again, I think I've made the analogy before. I know that you know, Jack Nicholas has more numbers than Tiger Woods. My eyes told me Tiger. My eyes tell me Mahomes. And the thing to me that stands out about overtime, Eddie, is there's not one individual play from that game-winning TD drive that I will remember. Like, Mahomes, I don't even remember in the entire game. Did he have a sidearm crazy play? Did he have a Romo aneurysm type of, oh, my God, Jim? Like, did you, you know? No. None of that. It was more methodical. And to me, when you have those rare talents, we see this, I think, in basketball more than anything. You know, when you have the freak athlete, the flashy player, they oftentimes do that too much, and it gets them in trouble. Mahomes strikes an unbelievable balance of, when he needs to be boring, he can be that. And was he not just boring on the OT drive? Eight for eight for 42 yards? That's boring. I mean, that's that's not pizzazz and flash. And I mean, the one play I'll remember is probably the scramble. Which one? He had two, didn't he? Well, the one right at the middle, kind of. And The fourth down? No, not the fourth. I mean, obviously the fourth and one. It was the one that kind of pushed them from whatever, the 30 to the 10. Or yeah. I, I'm not exactly spot on with the yard lines there. But that's probably the one big play, quote unquote. Obviously, you bring up the fourth and one, him keeping it there. But holy hell, they they trade away Tyreek and they win back to back. They're just. Um, he was holding them back. Right, exactly. Yeah. Start that headline. Um, yeah, they're the seventh grade Kevin Bone Pimple. They just won't go away. They yeah. won't go away. And I, I've I've applied every topical. I've taken every medication. I've prayed. I've asked my brother to punch me in the face. I've done everything. And they are there. I mean, they are right there. Every, and this was the one year where, like, whoa, chinks in the armor, Chris Jones contract talks, uh, their wideouts stink, um, they look human, Kelsey's finally hit a wall, like all this stuff. And the road they had. I mean, Buffalo was as hot as any team in football at the time. You know, Baltimore and San Francisco defined complete. Didn't Baltimore set an NFL record? Most wins over teams above 500 in a year. Mm -hmm. And they go there. And again, they win it very complete. And they had led in the final two minutes of every single game until that game. Right. And I think in a way, Eddie, you know, again, Mahomes probably deserved MVP last night. You know, Peyton wins MVP in 06. That run probably needs to be remembered like the Colts in 06 of, of your defense being there for you um, and all of that. Speaking of that, I should have told you before the pod, should we throw in that Cato June interview or would that be too Correct. much? Should we do next week? I know we're... Probably do it. Next week? Yeah. Okay, It's a very untime sensitive one there. So yeah, we caught up with Cato June uh, just before the Super Bowl, uh, but he had some great comments there. Franklin related, EJ Speed related, uh, also touched on... Um, Super his Bowl? his own Super Bowl run, and you know he's kind of the guy that was right there if Marlon Jackson doesn't make the interception, and some fun stories that he shared with us. So we'll play that here coming up on a future pod. Anything else Super Bowl related before we get into a little Hall of Fame? Yes. Um, when you look at the three Super Bowls now from Mahomes, they've all been won in three different ways, and I think that just speaks to the ability of not only Mahomes but Andy Reid as a coach to adapt when the lights are the brightest and the stage is the biggest. Uh, 
yesterday was a game where, like you said, not very sexy. There wasn't a lot, but just it was a microcosm of their season. As like what Patrick Mahomes said, like they were just able to find a way to win. And at the end of the day, you just gotta be able to. You may not, you may not have to play your best game, but you have to play your best that day. And that and they did when the when they needed to. Yeah, and again, San Francisco just they 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 played with fire and not take advantage of the drives, the empty possessions that Kansas City had, and then you can't you know you can't muff the punt and or have the punt off the foot and the block extra points. So can't uh, you can't go scoreless when you get turnovers either from Kansas City. Right. Yeah. That the, the interception right there to start the second half. Um, yeah. I'd like. Yeah. Congrats, but it's all just rooted in jealousy. That's all I have to say about the Chiefs. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, final uh, Hall of Fame discussion. Dwight Freddy, well-deserved. Um, yeah, I mean, the spin move speaks for itself. And I think it's been interesting kind of listening to national people talk more about the Freeney-Wayne debate and how Freeney's name is a little bit more whatever, uh, notable, have everyone describe it nationally. You know, you think about Dwight leaving Indy in 2012. I mean, he had a nice run there with Atlanta a little bit, you know, Seattle a little bit. Like, it's not like he fell off a cliff. You know, oftentimes you see guys leave and they're just absolutely terrible or don't live up to anywhere near what they were in that previous stop, but Dwight had that. Um, so, again, to me, well-deserved. I did think it was interesting. Reggie Wayne did not make it. Uh, Peter King released some of the numbers on how um, like how the process went. We had Mike Chappell on our show Friday, and Chappell mentioned Reggie Wayne wasn't even in the final 10. So could we be waiting even longer? On Reggie Wayne. There's no real whiteout next year entering the class. I think we're two years away from Larry Fitzgerald. But Torrey Holt, for what it's worth, was above Reggie. Now, Jared Allen, ironically enough, was above Dwight Freeney the previous year. And then they flip flopped. So, again, the process can be a bit finicky here. Uh, but Reggie Wayne was debated for 37 minutes by the Hall of Fame selectors. That was the second most. I think you have a very torn committee it sounds like on Reggie Wayne and I don't just necessarily agree with like the Andre Johnson looked like a Hall of Famer I mean since what like are we falling into like a combine trap here like look like what you know I it, to me that shouldn't matter I mean yeah Andre Johnson's a good-looking individual have you ever seen him? I mean, he's a good-looking dude. And, yeah, he's two inches and, what, 30 pounds bigger than Reggie Wayne and probably a little faster, et cetera, et cetera. It ain't about that. To me, it's about more than that there. So a little disappointed to see Reggie not get in. Um, I've always laughed at Marvin Harrison taking three years to get in the Hall of Fame. has always been an absolute joke for me. But uh, well-deserved for Dwight Franey. Pretty cool video that the Hall of Fame released, too, in regards to um, to him making it and Tony Dungy surprising him, I believe, at Michael Jordan's golf course 
there um, down at the Grove. I don't have a problem with Andre Johnson getting in because I thought he was a Hall of Famer. I had more of a problem of Devin Hester making it in over Reggie Wayne. That was my bigger gripe of okay. the, uh, between the two. Because he didn't do it long enough? That and just like the fact that Reggie was on the ballot longer than Devin Hester and Reggie's got a Super Bowl ring over Devin Hester. Sure, Devin Hester was a great returner, but at the end of the day, how much of an impact does a returner have on the total outcome of a game like Reggie did in several instances in his career? You know, the, the guy I actually thought would make it out of this first group or the first way, I thought Antonio Gates would make it. I was a little surprised not to see his name on that list there. Um, but yeah, Dwight Freeney into the hall. Adam Vinatieri needs to be a first balloter next year. I was about to say, he's got to be in just because of the same argument that they made against for uh, Andre, right? Or something like that? Uh, looking like a Hall of Famer? Oh, no, it was Hester. Being the greatest player at your position. Yeah. Ever, that's what yeah. it was. I mean, I think that's an element of it. But again, to me, the clutch gene of that kicker. I mean, it's just so... Boy, how about the kickers last night? Uh, what, three for three from north of 50? I know Moody missed the extra point there, but... Pretty impressive on that end. Uh, all right, should we get in Shane Steichen? Yes. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, last week we did Chris Ballard. Ballard. Again, an annual series we do in evaluating Colts GM, Colts head coach. Um, So... You know, for Psych, it's much different, obviously, than Ballard. You're going off of just one year of sample size. You just react to the year itself and not necessarily, you know, multiple years of an era here, but certainly a lot of wins in the Shane Steichen category. Uh, accountability is alive is where you start off. You can read the piece in full detail at 1075thefan.com. Yeah. And you know what? The thing about Shane, you know, accountability is a big word. Um, there's not a lot of words with Shane in terms of being critical publicly. But your actions ultimately are going to speak louder. And the actions, I thought, banged a pretty loud drum when you look at what he did from respective benchings, uh, in-seasons, suspensions. And again, this is on and off the field. And, you know, it might not have been an outright, like, oh, this is a thought we have in doing the Shaq Leonard benching slash cutting of him. Whether you didn't even think about the accountability, the action of it, spoke volumes uh, and that said enough that needed to be done and and clearly in my opinion was the right move vj speed deserved more of a role and it's not like Shaq went to philadelphia and did anything of note there so accountability is alive i think that to me is the biggest win of shane second's first season here couldn't agree with you more number two on the wins list for shane steichen Needed presence for Anthony Richardson. Yeah, this is a little bit more of an opinion. It's hard to kind of maybe look at like the actual numbers behind it per se, but he just strikes me, Eddie, as a really, really important piece to Richardson and his development. He gets it. 
He gets what playing modern quarterback is. He's not all of a sudden saying, no, we're going to abandon his playing style. We're going to try and create a different quarterback. Um, so I, I think all of those things check out. Um, and it's obviously going to be vital to Richardson's further development over the next you know, few years. I, I think you know, a big question we had today on our show was if Andy Reid – you know, would hang it up doesn't sound like he is. What would that do to Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. You know, when you think about modern dynasties or teams that have sniffed that, Eddie, there are not many, if any, that have had a coaching change mm-hmm. within that. So, keeping that steady is important. And it, again, it matters tenfold when it's Richardson. It's the same thing about to me. I've always said, no, no, go above and beyond in your support of him or your attempt to support him. Because he is unlike any prospect. He was so inexperienced in college. His immediate strength is not that as a thrower. So to me, you need to kind of, again, go above and beyond to do that. And that's why I do think the head coaching aspect of it, the fact that he's a play caller and this is his offensive baby and he came from that Jalen Hurts you know, two-year run with him, to me that's what adds to it as well. So I think the plan... By all accounts, seem to be very, very detailed, and you saw early signs of that progress. And now that uh, obviously needs to continue moving forward. Speaking of progress, um, he was videoed throwing the football a little bit that surfaced over the weekend. Soon, right? Was that the caption? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that was exactly you know that date or if that was a previous video that he just wanted to dial up. But yes, the month of February is when Anthony Richardson said he would um, be expected to start throwing again. So. There you go. That is on the horizon for the Colts' number one QB. And when he's back on the field, it does this to the offense, gives them a jolt, in large part because of the combination of Richardson and Steichen. Yeah, and to me, this goes a little bit more into the weekly game-to-game play calling and just offensive jolt. I mean, Eddie, if you would have told me that you're going to miss Taylor for the amount of games you did. Swift? Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, that is. Oh. Uh, if you're going to miss him for the amount of games that you did, you're going to have some of the O-line injuries that you did. You know, it's not like you had any other receiving threat truly emerge next to Pittman Jr. outside of a little bit of Josh Downs uh, and Anthony Richardson's injury situation. And yet, you string together all those kind of 20-point games that they did. To me, he gives you an offensive jolt. And I think it's really needed for where you're at. I thought you were a little stale, a little stagnant offensively. So, to me, uh, Shane checks that win box as well when it comes to the offense. Were you hoping for more Taylor Swift cuts, by the way? What do we end with? A dozen-ish? Something. Ten? I was hoping for some more press bot cuts, and I kept chanting, cut to Taylor, cut to Taylor, just so I can see Blake Lively. Blake Lively's easy on the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Alicia Keys easy on the eyes at halftime. There are several of those. So, yes, I wasn't very familiar with Miss Lively before last night. When I ever heard the name Blake Lively, I thought it was a dude, actually, if I'll be fully transparent. You thought it was um, a relation to Ben Lively, the Reds pitcher from this past season? <laughs> I forgot about that dude. Easy, easy to forget. Uh, and Maddie looked at me a little cross-eyed when I said that there. But yeah, Blake uh, Blake Lively, nice. I know not to get further down to the weeds here, but how often can a celebrity pair say, you could say it both ways, is like, oh, that guy's lucky to have that girl and that girl's lucky to have that guy. Ryan Reynolds, incredibly lucky to have Blake Lively. Blake Lively, incredibly lucky to have Ryan Reynolds. Yes, this is, boy, you need to be on a podcast with Maddie Bowen. Because how <laughs> sometimes Maddie would ask me football questions last week on the pod. You asking me celebrity questions would probably fall into the same boat. Ryan Reynolds, I, I do know that name, and I can kind of picture him right now. Um, yeah, that the, I, I think that checks out. But again, I don't think I'm dialing up E Entertainment anytime soon here. 
We've hit the three wins with Shane Steichen. Let's go to the losses or the to-be-determined category. The defense responsibility is where you start things off on your piece. Just important to remember that the head coach is also responsible for your defense. And, you know, as much as Andy Reid has done a great job letting Steve Spagnola operate that side of the ball, and clearly their results speak for itself, um, Andy Reid still is the overseer of that. And Shane Steichen is the overseer of Gus Bradley here. And uh, you are responsible for all facets of the game. And, you know, Eddie, it seems like Shane Steichen is content with this sort of defensive approach. And so we'll see if, you know, he has demanded or told Gus anything from a, I want to see tweaks here. Um, you know, is the Charlie Partridge hire more of a Shane hire? Is it more of a Gus hire? I think that's kind of a question maybe for down the road for Shane Sykin. But it's just very important to remember that. Yes, Shane, offense is your baby. There's a whole lot of responsibility on that side of the ball as well. But, I mean, just look at this recent Super Bowl run. At some point, you know, you have got to have a unit that plays even more than complimentary. I would make the argument in the AFC and Super Bowl, AFC Championship Super Bowl, I mean, the Chiefs' defense was the better unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly Kansas City's offense helped close both of those games and made the winning plays in overtime. But you're not in those situations if your defense does not stand as tall as it did in both of those games. So you know, do you feel like you have a championship-level defense? Kansas City's defense played like that Oh yeah, when the season was on the line. Do the Colts feel like that? And again, last year, don't fall into a trap of, no, there were some good things defensively, this and that. We just got to get more consistent. Well, let's also look at the quarterbacks you played. Yeah, That ain't the same quarterback grouping that's laying here in 2024. So just a couple things to remember in regard to, you know, probably a little bit more to be determined. I think you get benefit of the doubt in year one. You probably get benefit of the doubt in most things in year one as a head coach. But just things that I want to make sure are not too far away from his radar. Now this is something that was expected in terms of the losses to be determined, which will round out this category. First-year head coach who's been an offensive coordinator, head coach versus play-calling dilemma. Yeah, and again, this falls on a lot of, you know, head coach sheets. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid being, being a couple of them. Um, and, and if you want to go back to last night, Eddie, this, you know, if you listen to guys' post game comments, it seemed like Kansas City was pretty locked in and knowing what overtime was all about. It didn't seem like San Francisco was. And again, these are the things where there's so much on your plate. And part of it is probably Kansas City's been there before. San Francisco hasn't, you know, been, you know, been there and, and wanted. But it struck me post game like Chris Jones. Oh yeah, we knew if we scored, we were going to go for two. And the Kyle Uzcheck's like, yeah, I didn't even know the rules. It's like, wh- what? How? Like, I mean, you got two weeks until the Super Bowl. That's a lot of time. And plus, mm-hmm. it, I think it instills an element of confidence in your team of like, hey, you know, we're going to have a chance to win this game. It's likely to come down to the end if it gets to overtime, guys. We're going to do this and do that. We're going to win the toss and we're going to do that. Like all of those things, it's important for the head coach to make sure that they remember. Yeah. And so that's part of it. Now, for Shane specifically with this season, again, for me, it gets down to a little bit of, you know, the fourth and one moments. Um, You know, certainly you go back to week 18 and we can get into that sort of debate of, okay, if you're a big believer in flow of the game or hot hand or this and that, uh, you know, again, to me, Gardner Minshew and Tyler Goodson. They didn't define that at all. And Mitch, you having the, one of the worst games of his career to that point, and Goodson without a catch. Again, you go back to the Cleveland game and dialing up the double move in your own end zone with Miles Garrett. 
that sounds good on a Tuesday morning on a whiteboard, all of a sudden you get into a game action, you see how Garrett's already wrecked the game to that point. You don't want to be doing that whatsoever or taking that risk. To me, the risk is not worth the reward in that moment of the game. It's just those things. And again, it's year one. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm going to point it out. We'll see how these things evolve. By no means was Shane horrific on a weekly basis in this area. There are other moments you could point to. He was very strong. But to me, it's kind of funny we do this the Monday after the game, Eddie, of I thought that two teams in that moment, one was a little bit happy-ish to be there, unsure of exactly what the plan was, yeah, and the other one treated it like it was business. And I thought you saw that in how those teams both handled those respective drives there. Um, so just always, always paramount for people to to remember. Two-part question. One, do you agree with uh, Shanahan's decision to take, to receive, to start overtime? And two, do you think he forgot about the overtime rules in the postseason being different than the regular season? Well, I, I did not sit there and have too much of an issue with it in the moment. You know, what I thought in the moment, first off, honestly, something I thought, Eddie, was not only did I think the defense could use a little rest, I also thought the safety that got injured on the Kelsey play, I assumed that he was out. Remember the third and seven, Kelsey runs that dude over on the sidelines. And so George Odom, ironically enough, former Colt safety, came into the game. And so I thought there was a part of two of like, hey, not only do you want to rest, but it also would be probably pretty good for George Oden to get with Steve Wilkes for about five minutes on the sidelines. And because you know Kansas City's going to try and pick on that. Now, the safety ended up actually going back in the game. Who got hurt? But again, Eddie, I thought how much San Francisco's front four controlled the early parts of the game defensively, I did not think they were doing that late. So I was okay from a rest standpoint. To be totally honest, I didn't really think about the third drive potential. The sudden death. Basically, what Shanahan said after the game is, I'm opting for having the third possession be in our hands. So the sudden death possession versus the information, if you will. That's what Kansas City got. Kansas City got the info. And the info is, we now know how many points we need to score to win the game. Mm -hmm. So how do you look at it? Do you look at it as, you want info? Do you look at it as, you want the sudden death? Because if you're Shanahan, there's an element 12 drives in the first half, 12 drives in the game. Kansas City had 12 drives in regulation. Eddie, I said it earlier in the show, they scored one touchdown on those 12 drives. Mm-hmm. One touchdown was a 16 yard TD after the muff. So if you're Shanahan, is there any part of you that says, guys, we haven't given up a touchdown all game, a true touchdown drive? So are you banking on that? Are you saying, field goal, field goal, boom, we're going to get the third drive and we're going to get another field goal and we're going to win the game? I'm torn. I think hindsight is very, very 2020 on it. I get it's Mahomes, and I get that that matters. But I also sit here and think, damn, your defense had not given up a legit touchdown drive, let alone 70 yards or 80 yards, however long they would have needed to drive there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, fourth and four from the nine, should they have gone for it there at the end of their first opening or their first drive of overtime? I mean, guess if you don't get it, Kansas City only needs to go, what, 50-some yards to get in the field goal range? I don't know. I think you got to take the points. Which is what they did, obviously. Right. Did you have an opinion on the coin toss? No. And what I, they should have done? No. Yeah. I thought he did it right. Yeah. I thought defense tired more than the third drive element to it. Now, 
again, you watch Kansas City's drive and what, the third and the only time I thought, I didn't think fourth and one would be an issue for him whatsoever, and it wasn't. I mean, they did the exact right thing, kept him in Mahomes' hands. It was either Bosa crashed, boom, it was either him or Kelsey, and he keeps it first down. When Valdez Scantling ran backwards and they got the second 14, mm-hmm. that I think is the regret San Francisco has. That second 14 should be viewed as time to pounce. You know it's going to be check it down to get the third manageable. If you try to suffocate, if you try to, you know, whatever, bump them at the line of scrimmage and you try to bring some pressure there, Mahomes is probably going to take a shot down the field. Yeah. And if that falls incomplete, now we're, now it's third and 14. And now you got a whole different animal on your hands there. So I think that's probably the one regret that you have. But I, I was not – I mean, I, I trust me, I had buddies of mine that were texting saying, this is stupid. You have to be – you got to start on defense there. You want to know. Um, I was not one of them. Maybe I'm dead wrong on that. Before we get to Twitter questions, uh, how's the hair regrowth going, by uh, the way? I, I feel like it's going decently well. Um, I, I think the bulk of the growth is supposed to occur as we get deeper into this 12-month period. We're about three months removed, but I, I continue to say this, and I, I think I've said it to you, Eddie. I like zero recovery issue whatsoever. And I know it's not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear, but um, it's been a smooth, smooth process. I, I honestly forget that I had it done. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, for, but it's like there's no scarring is what I'm getting at or like lingering pain or anything like that. So, yeah, we grow hair Indy. Throwing a little plug for him right there. Has if the guys missus, got any questions, hit me up. Has the missus said anything about your... Uh... Well, she loves skin stuff. Really? Like, loves like... Oh, so she picking, loves like... She, she's a picker, you know, like yeah, picking at scabs mm, and... Is she, does know. she like Dr. Pimple Popper and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eats that up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is... Well, I hope she doesn't... Of, literally eat it up but yeah well no she does not uh, you know this is probably i don't know if maddie wants to um share in all of this so yeah she loves just like examining the the scalp like she's like a wants to pull out a microscope with it all so yeah she no she and she's a fan of honestly how the whole process went and thought it was pretty cool more than anything so final final thing yes um taylor didn't touch it <laughs> i think you need to provide a little context behind this for, uh, for our audience. Do you want me to, or do you, would you like to well, do it yourself? And, and we don't know that for sure. I mean, behind the scenes, there could have been a Lombardi trophy or two. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I said something to the effect of, did you guys ask me if Taylor Swift will touch the Lombardi trophy? Correct. And I uttered the phrase of, yes, she will touch it, and you guys, you know, with your seventh grade snickering, had a lot of humor You guys, there, there was only mm-hmm. two people in the room snickering. Uh, you, and was Jake not snickering? It was Jake and Jimmy. Jake and Jimmy, and you as well. I I did not snicker. Um, you were cackling a little bit there, but I was about, more you of know, the Jake going, "Excuse me." I I I thought um I loved honestly seeing Taylor Swift emotion. Yeah, like I I mean this in all seriousness. Like she was I, almost I, crying in, um at the presentation. Yeah, and like in game, I mean like the shots. I mean to me that is all very real and not like faking it obviously she knows she's being shown a ton there and and i mean let's be real 51 uh, 52 other significant others of these players they're all probably reacting in a very similar manner but it's part of why i love sports um i just enjoy the raw unfiltered emotion that you get from it so i had zero issue with the swifts and the swifties etc etc and uh, i thought it was pretty cool to see Ready for Twitter questions? Yes, let's get to them. And again, we've had a lot sent to you. We'll kind of continue to put some more of those into future pods, but we'll probably stick to right around like three, four, five 
for each pod here as we get closer to the busy news items of the offseason. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Only three questions today. Cody is up first, followed by Pumpkin Pastry and Zach. Cody's question. I know you and I agree on the fact that pass rush is still one of the biggest news uh, needs on this team. However, could you use uh, see a scenario where the Colts approach it like they did last offseason with the offensive line where they think it's about just getting the right guy in there with all of their investments will pay off and they don't make a major investment similar to last offseason with the offensive line. I know it's never been a top unit like the offensive line once was, so it's not a complete apples-to-apples comparison, but just had this thought the other day and wanted your take on it. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, I don't think it is apples-to-apples. Frankly, I don't think it is really at all. I mean, the Colts' O-line has been at the top of the mountain. I mean, they were one of the best units, period. And I also think when O-line play gets affected, Eddie, the quarterback can have so much to do with that, especially in pass protection, the statue nature to it all. And I just don't – I know your secondary can help you out a little bit, but still I don't feel that way as much about the defensive line and just your consistency of the pass rush. Now, it is a position group that – and Chris Boward mentions this probably more than anybody. It takes several years to develop some rushers. Not all rushers are, you know, walking into the NFL, getting you double-digit sacks. So I guess the question would become again of you know if all of a sudden Quiddy Pay takes the next jump. I, you know, I thought Dio Dangbo took a really nice jump this season. I do too. Now you know again he's the same age and he came off the Achilles. So is this just kind of the Quiddy that we're going to see of not a super consistent pressure guy or not here? So. Um, where I would have the question is, do you do some things differently, I guess, with your personnel? Maybe not as much individual player development, but like, again, getting that, to use the O-line, Tony Soprano Jr., getting that group to play a little bit more cohesive. D-line, it's, okay, do you change up stunts? Do you change up blitz packages? Do you change up how you rush? The types of guys you use in that IndyCar package, et cetera, et cetera. Those would probably be some of the areas that I would point to. Pumpkin Pastry is up next. How do you predict this offense to look differently outside of quarterback play? When Shane Steichen was with the Eagles, their 1A wide receiver, Devontae Smith, had his best numbers as a professional, which included his average depth of route being shallower than previously, plus an increased usage out of the slot. Meanwhile, our second wide receiver, Alec Pierce, ran more yards traveled than any player in the NFL. Is this an omission that he can only be used as a decoy and Shane doesn't have his preferred personnel to run his offense out of that position? Still like Alec Pierce, but sh- not sure if Shane's ideal player fit schematically is Mr. Pierce. 
Yeah, pumpkin. I I, I think um I can't believe I was called that person pumpkin. Um, what does Shane want? I think is a great question. At least you don't call him by his initials there. Well, yeah, that sounds like something Rosie would come home and say after school. <laughs> um, and you're like, what? What'd you wh- say? Exactly. Who told you that? Who told you that? What does Shane want? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Now, also, I think we need to keep in mind what accentuates Anthony Richardson. And I've said this all along with Alec Pierce. His skill set should accentuate Anthony Richardson. So it's important to keep that in mind. Now, I'll go back to a conversation Eddie, you and I had a few weeks ago. What do the Colts need at pass catcher? I think they need a make-you-miss type of athlete. And again, the make-you-miss can be speed. The make-you-miss can be Debo. It can be a violent breaking of tackler. It can be more of a George... Like... It can come in all different shapes and sizes. It's making plays after the catch, I think, is the most missing ingredient. And the beauty is, again, it can come in all different shapes and sizes. The difficulty is those guys don't grow on trees, and they can be a little difficult to project. I mean, just look at where Debo and George Kittle were drafted, respectively. So, um, to me, that is where I point to and look at pass catcher and say, okay, what ingredient is not in the cupboard? That to me is what is missing. Like I think you got a little slot jitterbug. I think you got a little bit more of a possession guy in 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 Pittman. I think Pierce can do some things vertically. It's that element that I'm most curious about. Uh, do you need like a Brandon Ayuk type? I I have enjoyed watching Brandon Ayuk a little bit more. You almost forgot, or at least I almost forget. I should say Eddie. I mean, the dude is a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, wait, okay, like he he should be pretty darn talented. But yeah, I mean. It, it, I'm shooting for the moon here, but Debo and Kittle. I mean, those are the guys post-catch oh, yeah. that make plays. I do think Ayuk's got a little wiggle to him and can make some of that. You know, I always thought A.J. Brown was such a violent player here in the AFC South of just his physicality almost kind of taking over and making some stuff happen after the catch. So those are some of the guys that I would I would point to. Final Twitter question comes from Zach. Could you talk about Jelani Woods? I'm curious why he vanished and whether he will – if we will ever see him again. Not sure I've heard of him since September. Well, he, he's alive, and I, I don't think outright vanished, but... Um, he was on camera at the end of that Texans-Colts game. They cut to him walking out across the field after the game. Can't miss him. 6'7", no. 260. Jelani explained this decently well at the end of the season. I should probably get in an article here at some point. Yeah, you should. But basically... Um, the hamstring issues, he pointed to more of a body composition might be the wrong way to phrase it, but basically they didn't get a great handle on exactly, I guess, what makes his body tick, for, again, lack of a better medical term phrase. His body is pretty unique. I mean, when you look at him. I was about to say, could you also say... Maybe he didn't show up in shape? Well, people have alluded to that. People have said he hasn't shown up in shape. Now, I think Jelani's camp would push back and say the Colts pushed him too quickly. It's a very he-said-she-said thing, I think, with a lot of it. But again, what Jelani's offering, publicly at least, is in a way they were, whether it's mistraining, misrehabbing, his body needs some stuff that's different than, I guess, other bodies. And in a way, a guy that I use when I've seen Jelani Woods move, in a way, Eddie, it kind of reminds me of Miles Turner. Like, Miles Turner has a very different gait 
different running style. That was oh, a yeah. big thing out of him out of Texas. So, again, Miles Turner athletically is going to be different than obviously a lot of people in terms of what specifically you're rehabbing with his body or training or really working on. But he's also different than a lot of other big dudes, like when you watch him move. Mm-hmm. I feel that way about Jelani Woods at tight end. Like, again, and maybe Mo Ali Cox and Drew Ogletree have more of the heavy um, – you know, basketball background if you're going to look at similar body types. And again, Jelani was a quarterback before a tight end. Yeah. So, again, I don't have a great medical description for it, but I think that is some of what explains, like, wait, the dude missed the entire season due to a hamstring issue? Like, that doesn't happen. With no surgery? Right. So why? So, again, I'm trying to get into some of the whys behind that. And again, he messed up both hamstrings. Oh, it was both? Um, throughout the year. Yeah, he did share that with us. At at the end of the season. Now, my personal thought on Woods at, at tight end, he is still going to be on this football team, and he's still a guy that I have some intrigue about. But you need to act like he's not on the team and mm-hmm. how you address tight end. And we'll see how the Ogletree thing plays out. I think that court date is coming up soon. And again, we've mentioned it before, Mo Cox, if you want to, you can save a good amount of money, about $5 million, if you decide to part ways with him. But to me, you need to treat tight end like he's not on the team. And I don't think the in, the injury is that devastating. Like I don't think it's like what D Greenlaw is going to have to go through coming back from a torn Achilles and gosh, that you know, sucks. Nine months, just absolutely awful. But again, it's a little bit more of the you can't put all your eggs in that basket. Of like, oh yeah, they're gonna have Jelani Woods. You know, Dallas Flowers is kind of in a similar way, um, just because he missed really his entire second season, missed all that practice time. And, yeah, he had some moments as a rookie that you liked, but there are also some moments where, I mean, I remember Matt Ryan undressing him at training camp in Grand Park of, like, dude, you're not in the right – you know, those – he's still freaking young. Mm-hmm. And so you got to throw that in there as well. Uh, anything else on your end? I had something I wanted to ask, but – oh, um, do you listen or watch the Trenches podcast? Did you catch T.Y. on there I at do. All? Yes, I did. Um yeah, I think EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin do an outstanding job with their podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. I did catch the T.Y. Hilton blur. I assume you're in relation to Andrew Luck. Just all of it in general? Well, I thought T.Y. was outstanding. Let me start there. I encourage everyone to check that, check that out. T.Y. was great. Um, it's funny. I've, I know one of the Zionsville football parents, and for those unfamiliar, T.Y.'s kids. Uh, Eugene. Zionsville Community Schools. Eugene being the oldest. Um and you know, promising football recruit. He'll be a senior. Zionsville is a suburb located just north and west of Indianapolis. Um, T.Y. is a coach, by the way, too. Is he? Yes. He's an assistant coach. I believe, I probably haven't guessed at what he coaches, but... A little, little wideout action here? Um, I know. Defensive line. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but I was talking to his dad. He's like, he sat next to T.Y. at you know games and practices and stuff like that, and he's like, dude, it is incredible. Incredible how much of an encyclopedia he is, like pre-snap. He like he like nerd out with this dad and like, hey, watch this. Defense is showing this. They're gonna go to that. This is what the route tree needs to look like. And I think you listen to Ty in that um, in that podcast, and you're you're gonna get it very quickly. But I think with Ty, you see the speed and you see the big plays and the flash, and like you don't have an appreciation for the technician. Yeah. As well. And he very, I mean, him and Andrew Luck. And I remember Luck saying to Frank Reich when he took the job, dude, just trust me. It might not look like the prettiest looking thing or exactly how you draw it up on the whiteboard. The guy knows how to get open. And again, I think you'll hear a lot of that on the pod. But I guess in relation to the Luck comment, something to the effect of like, 
and I'm paraphrasing here. That if Luck didn't get booed off, that there's probably a decent chance he would have unretired and came back to play. But So is that what he meant? Did he I, mean un- unretired and play, or did he mean he would have shown up at Lucas Oil? Oh, I, I would assume he has coming. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I think it could be taken a couple of ways. I, my, my thoughts about the situation have always been this. I think purely in that moment, the fans were booing the situation. Yeah. And not Andrew Luck, the human. You know, I, I we get back on this topic like once every six months. So I guess here's our one time to go back. I can't I can't believe it'll be five years coming up, by the way. In August. But Eddie, you've been to preseason football games. Yep. Who's left in the fourth quarter of a preseason football game in the stadium? Diehards. The diehard of the diehard. Or the family that's taking their kids out to a game because they can't afford to get to a regular season game or something. Saturday like night. That. Yeah. Uh probably a liquor two item. Maybe. And you know, decent amount of those people left. And thinking about if you're sitting there as a fan, you know, you and I are glued to social media. All of a sudden you're like get word of mouth from like the person two rows in front of you. Hey, did you guys hear Andrew Luck retired? Dude, shut up. He's right there on the sidelines. Yeah. Like he's right he's laughing with Jack Doyle. No, I swear I just got an ESPN alert about it. What? 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 Now he's walking off the field. Boo! Boo! Like all of a sudden, you just—I mean, they're fans. Like I have no like. I don't think all of a sudden, whatever. Uh, there's 300 people. Uh, there's 3,000 people left in that stadium. At that point, something like that. I don't know. 10,000. However much you want to throw out there. If 100 people boo, that's what you're gonna hear. Like just because 10% of the people did it, and like, who cares if they're booing? I treat it as like. It's fans. They're passionate. To me, they're booing the situation. It's chaotic. One week ago, we just watched him work out on the field pregame. I'm confused. This is my emotion that I'm letting out. That's how I've treated it the whole time. So I don't, you know, if Andrew Luck is really, really pissed off and frustrated by that, I guess that's his right. I tend to think that the large, large majority of the fan base would react a whole lot differently if Andrew Luck walked back into that stadium. And against T.Y.'s comments, I never took it as, I guess, he would have returned to play with that. I did find it interesting how much T.Y. was bullish on that 2019 team. Oh, yeah. Boy, I, I, I just seem to remember the 2019 team like scratching and clawing to win games early in the season. But um, it was a great listen. I mean, perhaps because 12 wasn't out there, but... Right, but I mean, T.Y. acted like they were like a Super Bowl team, even with Jacoby's, you know, we were 5-2 and two and this and that. I'm like, well, I think you know, water eventually finds its level Yeah. over the course of a season there, and they obviously finished. Final, final high. thing, since we won't have another podcast, uh, it's All-Star Week here in Indiana, in Indianapolis with Pacers. Uh-huh. Um, anything you're looking forward to? Anything you've got going on this weekend, if, events-wise? You going to anything? Yeah, I'm going to check out Saturday. I'll be there Saturday and Sunday night. That is the plan for me. Um I can't wait. You know, 1985, the last time we have had the All-Star Game in our city. So if you do that math, uh, it'll be quite some time since we get it again, if we get it again. So uh, I'm just glad that our city can be on showcase and on display for it. Um, Selfishly, I'm heavily biased, but I think we do it better than most, if not all. And I can't wait to see, you know, what we do and, and how we do it. You know, unfortunately, the weather doesn't look great temperature-wise this week. It's going to be a little bit chillier as the NBA world gets here later in the week. But still, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope there's enough stuff to do from a decently affordable standpoint. Sounds like the convention center will be a big hub of that NBA crossover event, just walking on downtown. Because I get it. It's pricey 
to get in, especially Sunday night, you know, Saturday and being over at Lucas Oil, opening up more tickets to more people. I'm glad that they did that. Um, that is a cool aspect that is unique to it. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Go into Saturday night and then uh, probably go to the crossover one or two days just to. I think we're doing our radio show live from the crossover coming up on Friday. Friday morning. That'll be fun. Uh, who is next year's halftime show? Little Wayne plus two fifty, Taylor Swift plus four hundred, Drake plus four fifty, Justin Bieber plus seven hundred, Miley Cyrus plus twenty two hundred. Well, um, I I don't know if you can put Drake out there after what just happened. Are you familiar? Yeah, I am. Yeah, that is probably accurate on that one. Uh, I will try to move on to Taylor Swift. Swift can't do it, right? Until she breaks up or until Kelsey's retired? Well, I just thought it was ironic because they initially asked her to do the halftime show this year and she Did declined. she know? Did she know what her romance life, how it was going to turn? Who knows? I mean, that's a little too much. It's too close to the game, right? Taylor doing it. You know, all of a sudden, Travis is a heartbreaking AFC title game. And Taylor's <laughs> like, wait, you aren't going to come to the Super Bowl and support me? <laughs> Uh, Travis having the first half he did, she's got to go out there and act like nothing just happened. Exactly. Yeah. She maybe is trying to chest bump Andy Reid as he runs off the field there. <laughs> was that a blocker charge? Uh, probably a good no call on that end. There's probably a lot to it. Was that Big Ten officiating? Initiate contact with old Big Red there on the sidelines. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. It is NBA All-Star Week, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here. Big week for the city of Indianapolis, two weeks away from the Combine. If you have any questions, send them our way. Everybody have a great week, and thank you for listening to Kevin's Corner. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.